so many people hate their own response to the following question. So what does your company actually do? Because in this moment, my friend, you have three options, okay? Number one, pitch slap your prospect. Number two, fumble your way through a long-winded response. And number three, deliver a punchy elevator story that sparks intrigue. Now, if you're nodding your head at number three, but you're like, hold up, I don't even know where to begin, then hey, don't worry. I've got your back. All right, head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash your elevator story to unlock your very own free elevator story script, template, and guide. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Dan Goodman, CEO of True Commish, describes himself as the employee advocate, and not just for any old employees. I'm talking about B2B sales professionals across the world. And that's exactly why I wanted to pin him down today to specifically enlighten us on a topic I think so many of you are going to want to learn more about because of the state of the world that we're really living in today. And that topic is how to negotiate sales compensation and severance. Because let's be real, I don't know about you, but when I first entered my time in sales, I wasn't taught this stuff. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a legal background. I don't know my rights, but Dan Goodman does, and he's here to help us. Dan, welcome to the show, brother. What's good? Ravi, great to be here. Great to see you, man. It's a pleasure. First time I connected with Dan, it probably was about two or three months ago, ladies and gents, and we spoke for about an hour, and I've never met somebody so passionate about the world of sales compensation, finding errors, severance, being able to communicate that with authenticity to leadership, but somebody who really understands the devil inside of the details. It's a it's a gift, man. And I'm curious to know, was there a time in your sales career as a leader or an individual contributor where you first realized that you had a passion for this very unique skill set that you developed? Yeah, absolutely. I've always been a very quantitative person, highly analytical. I love numbers. I tell stories with numbers. You know, I have an undergraduate degree in finance. I have an MBA in entrepreneurship and marketing. And I've utilized all these skills and experiences over the years to help people, friends, family, colleagues who are high level, top performing sales folks who have just had to rely on blind faith and trust that they've been paid right. And I'm just never one who's ever trusted blindly. I always want to inquire and question and, and kind of come to my own conclusions rather than sort of just blindly trusting others to come to those conclusions. My parents hated it growing up because I was always questioning everything, but uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's worked out well for me. So in doing so, I developed a methodology on how to potentially to confirm that you've been paid fully and accurately and a way to identify those deals that you weren't. So in working with friends and family and colleagues, I helped them in identifying this manual process to identify and recover literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of earned but unpaid commissions and resulting bonuses and club trips. And, you know, it was a long, tedious, time-consuming process. And I've always wanted to bring this solution not to help one at a time, but to be able to help tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and potentially millions of salespeople verify their pay, 
not have to worry if they're paid right or not, not have this anguish and frustration and doubt and mistrust that's associated with that. Now, if you can kind of come in and say, hey, I did 90 deals this quarter and my company paid me to the penny correctly on all 90 deals, what will that do for morale, for motivation, for productivity, for corporate culture, for loyalty? And what will that do for the salesperson themselves? I mean, they'll buckle down and want to work that much harder and be that much loyal. So why do we play games around money? And that's uh, so, you know, I, I developed the application. I've worked with a, a CTO and developer. We built out this self-service app that reps can come to. They can answer questions about their comp plan. They can load up their data sets, both their bookings and commission information. We have a unique identifier that will cross-reference the data sets. And we'll look at what you expected to be paid when you initially booked that deal and the customer agreed on a certain price. And we'll compare it to what you actually were paid months and months later when you were paid on it. And you would be shocked on how often that number changes. And there's not a company in the world that I'm aware of that will actually report to the rep from initial booking through implementation, through invoicing and commission. All they report to the rep is what's invoiced to the customer, not what the customer initially agreed to. Hmm. Dude, this is such a huge problem for so many sellers everywhere, especially when it comes to the verification of it and the accuracy of it. But then also, when you're about to join a new company, when you get promised, and I'm putting that in air quotes, a level of compensation, how do you verify if it's really true? Can it be achieved? And once you've got your foot through the door, you don't want to walk into an environment where you're being blindsided and, you know, I suppose, taken advantage of, which unfortunately can happen to young sellers and those who have been in the game for years. So, Dan, let's kick off, brother, with the unfortunate conversation around severance. And I know so many people are struggling in the climate that we're in today, facing unfortunate scenarios around severance, but they also want to make sure that they get the best deal, I suppose is the best way to put it, because they want to ensure that they protect the ones that they care about and can also pay the bills. So Dan, you know, how does somebody approach that conversation with severance if they don't know what they don't know? Yeah, a great question, Robbie. Thank you. It's really interesting. I put a poll out uh, several weeks ago about severance, and it was shocking that most people don't even know that you can negotiate severance, that they don't understand that this is a legal binding contract that your employer is motivated to get you to sign, that by getting you to sign it, in the past, they were trying to enforce a non-disparagement agreement, which there was recently a ruling from the NLRB that said enforcing non or even offering non-disparagement agreements as part of a severance contract is illegal and not enforceable in a violation of that ruling. So, you know, the first thing is, is that severance can be negotiated. There's a reason why your employer wants you to sign it. You have the ability to negotiate it because of that. So what I do is I work with folks to develop a framework or a process to identify leverage to be able to go back and negotiate a better severance. So, you know, where did you come from? You know, were you recruited in? Were you let go in, you know, a short period of time? What was your opportunity cost for coming there? Were you mistreated? Were you discriminated against? Did they treat others differently than how they treated you? Were they not consistent with those policies? You know, are you 60 years old and a minority and have been a top performer and they're letting you go for whatever reason they're claiming? The process that I help reps with is very therapeutic because you know, if you are taken advantage of and stolen from or tossed to the side and you don't really understand why, it kind of weighs on you. It impacts your, your outlook. You start to question yourself and your self-confidence. And you start to wonder if you did something wrong. 
So one of the benefits of working with me and a lot of the reason why I post about these topics all the time is so that others can know that these things are happening, that when it happens to them, it's not a reflection on them. They're not the only one that this happens to, and that there's bad behavior that goes on all the time, and that we need to stand up together as a society and not put up with it anymore and hold these people that are acting like this accountable and make it well known. And the only way that we can do anything about it is to take action and not be a victim and not continue to let it happen, but to fight back. And employers will stop if people will do something about it. What I'm seeing with everybody is that they're getting horribly abused, stolen from, mistreated, tossed to the side, and they just take it. They don't know what to do. They walk away and they carry this with them for years and decades. I had a call recently with someone about a month ago, and he was reading about my post. He said, hey, Dan, I'd like to tell you my story. He told me about how he was stolen $60,000 in commissions and was let go. And it was 13 years ago. And it sounded like it was yesterday. If you could hear the pain in his voice from 13 years ago. So, you know, there's something called wage theft PTSD, and it's a real thing. And people suffer from it all the time. And the only way that you can overcome it is if you don't become a victim to it. Stand up to it. Fight it. Shout it from the rooftops. Get what is yours. I am here to help people do that. I'll help you quantify your damages. I'll give you the data to go back to your employer to fight for it. I'll advise and counsel with you to stand up for your severance, to document what happened, and to not let them trick you into thinking or not let them tricking you into thinking like you're not aware of what's going on. We can read between the lines and see the activity and the actions of the employer are not up to speed or are not the right thing and that they're covering them up with phony pips or, or other things like that. Thanks. Sorry to interrupt, brother. Could we walk through an exact example, for example, of the exact process you would take somebody through if they came to you with a very specific situation from beginning to end? So let's, I don't know, could you maybe talk to one very common severance situation that you're being brought every single week. And can we walk through from beginning to end the exact process you can get somebody from pure confusion to a win? Sure. I mean, I'm seeing a sort of a dichotomy in the folks that are coming to me. They're either on the younger side and, you know, maybe, you know, 30 and under, and they've only been at that company for less than a year. And then the other folks that I'm seeing are, you know, maybe in their 30s or 40s or older, and they may have been in that company six, eight, 10 years with a long track record, number one rep in the company, they're getting fired and owed over $100,000 in commissions. Okay. So I'll, I'll give you the first example right now. So, you know, folks are kind of coming in, they may be recruited from a good place that they've been at for a couple of years, right? And now they were offered equity and salaries and commissions and pipelines and big deals and OTEs, and none of them are coming to fruition. And they may be getting an equity with a one-year cliff vesting. And they're building out a pipeline that may take six or nine months to build out. And all of a sudden, you're at month 10 or 11 of your employment. And all of a sudden, you have never heard a word about any concern about your behavior, your performance, or anything. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you're terminated. You have no idea why. You've been told in your reviews that everything's good. You've been proactively asking, hey, how am I doing? Everything's positive. You are getting really excited about having 25% of all of your equity vest in another month. And you are really excited about the pipeline that you've built up over the last three to six months that are going to start to see a fruit bearing over the next two or three months. And now all of a sudden they're terminating you. And all you've gotten was your salary. You walked away from a great place that you were at that you could still be there. And if you got let go from there, you've got four or five years experience, they would have given you two or three months severance. Now you're getting tossed to the side. 
Maybe they're offering you nothing. Maybe they're offering you one or two weeks as you've only been there for nine or 10 months. And you're getting dumped in a horrible job market. So I've seen that same scenario play out over and over again. People are getting terminated, not for cause, not for reason, but to avoid vesting equity, to avoid paying out year-end bonuses, to avoid paying commissions on big deals that either just closed or about to close. So I have developed a framework that people can use that I would, I send them an initial questionnaire that they fill out that gives all the background data, you know, how long have you been there? What was the reason you were let go? What's your severance? You know, all that is about 20 questions. And then I've got a 10 step framework that I've drafted. And the purpose mm. of this is to basically, not only is it therapeutic for you to write all of your thoughts and feelings and to reflect on all of your accomplishments, both good and bad, but it's a document that you can use. It's medically therapeutic mentally for you. So you can go through and you write out everything that happened. You write about who you are as a professional, what your accomplishments are, you know, what's your character, your morals, your values, your work ethic, you know? Who are you as a person? Are you as someone who thinks only about themselves? Are you a team player who looks to lift others up and helps and is company focused? You know, what have you been awarded stock option grants and promotions and bonuses and, and, and been selected to speak in front of, you know, groups or teams within the corporation? So who are you as a person and what are we dealing with? And then how did you come to the company? Were you recruited here by somebody? Did you leave a great job that you had been at for a number of years? What was your opportunity cost for taking this job now that you're being dumped in the street? Right. And then the next thing I want to I look at is, you know, what does the severance offer? Let's analyze that. What is the, the number of uh, weeks or months? You know, what are you doing with health care? What are you doing with restrictive clauses? You know, are they too vague and, and cumbersome? Will they stop you from getting your next job? You know, I mean, if you're being let go, who the hell does the company think they are to try to restrict you from getting a job after they've tossed you to the side? So, you know, courts don't look kindly on that. So I go through this whole process. It's 10 steps. You know, there's a financial ask there. There's a, a, you know, why will you put on the severance? Why will you put on a PIP? You know, fight back about what you think really happened. You know, what's the financial loss? But the real goal of my process here is to not be litigious, not to be combative. It's to find a win-win. It's to find something where both parties can feel good about themselves, to walk away with their head held high, and to basically, usually the difference between what you're looking for and what they're offering isn't that significant. Let's have that money go to the employee rather than to the attorneys. So I Dan, how good, good. Sorry to interrupt, Dan, but no, what, what does a good offer look like? So I, what I'm thinking about is I'm putting myself in the audience shoes for just a second. So to recap, if somebody was to really understand from beginning to end what they should do, firstly, it's fleshing out who they are as an individual, their story, and really build up a a narrative, right? Then the next part is your 10 steps. And firstly, it's taking, it sounds as though the first step is taking a look at the offer. What are three ingredients that you think are must-haves in a good offer? And then what does step two to 10 look like in a very high-level format? Sure. I mean, you know, back in the day, you know, 20, 30 years ago, typically you'd you get two weeks severance for every year worked, kind of correlated okay. to what like you get for, for vacation, even though the two never had anything to do with each other, just kind of worked out that way. You know, what I'm seeing nowadays, it's the, the average is more of the two to four week range. And frankly, it's closer to four weeks than, than two, mostly. So, you know, if you've been there for three years, you know, what I'm seeing is about 12 weeks severance that are being offered. And that's for a situation where there's sort of no bad behavior. It's like, you know, you're an employee at will, you know, the economy is tough. We need to cut back. You're part of a larger layoff. You're not being discriminated against. There was no bad behavior that led to this. And we just kind of have to let you go, you know, and there's really not much you can say there, you know? 
oftentimes that's usually not the case. There usually is always something that seems to be leading to these things that uh, why you were let go versus someone else who performed half your level that you did for the previous two years gets to stay on. And as far as healthcare, I always tell folks to ask to have your last day of employment be the first day of the month because now your health care will be covered for the rest of the entire month because it's always prepaid a month in advance. I just uh-huh. worked with someone yesterday, which was a horrible situation. I've never seen this before. Not only did they terminate the employee effective immediately, they terminated mm. their health care effective immediately and reached out to the health care company to terminate the plan that was already prepaid for that month. Okay? I mean, unbelievable. So you want to negotiate severance. And I'll, I'll tell you another little trick that I found. If you're working for a really large, large, large company and there are job grades and every job grade has a salary range with a high and a low based on tenure and role and what have you, they have the same thing in those big companies with how much they'll pay out in severance. So go, first of all, ask how much the severance range is for your job grade, right? And, and make mm. sure you negotiate up to that point. Another thing I want to tell people is don't sign the severance right away. Wait until the last day that you can, because I've had three different folks that I've worked with who signed the severance right away, and then the same company that they signed the severance with, three or four weeks later, did a massive layoff and offered generous severance packages that were four or five times what that rep got. And if he had waited to hold off on signing it, he could have tried to get himself included with that group. So these are just a few things. When you get your severance offer, when you get your severance payout, here's another thing I tell people. Go and have your employer adjust your W-9 tax withholdings. Because if you get a 20K severance payout, the government, and let's say that you get paid bi-monthly, so twice a, twice a month, 24 times a year, that 20 grand, the government will think that you make $480,000 a year and will tax you accordingly. And now they'll hold wow. on to all that tax for the next 12 months, and you'll get a refund in April of 2024. What you should do is set your federal and state taxes to zero for the severance payout. You need all that money now more than the government does. And, you know, you can you, you, maybe you'll owe some the following April, or maybe you might even have a small penalty, but you're much better off to do that than have the government hold on. Cut, pause, or whatever we need to say for me to get your attention, because before we get back to the show, I have some breaking news. Okay, listen, ladies and gents, feature selling is dead, and story selling is alive, because if you really want to build trust, stand out, and close more deals in a recession, then you need to try something new so you can drive your company to a world of efficiency and profitability. And that's exactly why I've opened up many slots this year for different companies to partner with me for implementing my story selling framework inside of their sales process. Now, the outcomes are all the good stuff. I'm talking about increasing average order value, collapsing time inside of your sales cycle and driving win rates. But more importantly, transforming your team to sell in a way that really focuses on human connection. And hey, that's what I'm all about. So if you're nodding your head right now, then head on down to www.theravirajani.com forward slash contact to book your complimentary discovery call to see if there's alignment. And hey, if there is, great. If there's not, interesting, interesting. See you on the other side. And by the way, ladies and gents, you know, we are, you know, we're talking here in pure theoretical scenarios. If you do have a specific legal situation, always consult your lawyer or get specific legal advice when it comes to specific matters. But this is really interesting, Dan. So somebody gets given an offer and they take a look at all of the intricacies that you've just mentioned. Now they, they take that offer and they're looking, for example, for a new role. And they're looking at 
the sales compensation of that new role. And by the way, I do want to go to learn more about steps two to 10 in a second, but just taking this scenario of this individual, how do they then, you know, having been potentially burnt by this previous company, how should they look at the sales compensation and contract of the new company? What does good look like? What does bad look like? Well, actually, I'm going to back up one step from even that. I want to warn people of bait and switch things that happen with employment offers and with compensation plans. So mm. what I recommend to people when they're interviewing for a job, once that job is offered and they've extended you an offer in writing, now it's time for you to flip the switch. It's time for you now to interview the company and ask all the questions that you maybe were afraid to ask before the offer was in hand. And I'm not telling you to rock the boat or to be a jerk or to you know really put the, to stick it to them. Ask questions that are matter to you to find out what the culture is really like and what the people are really like and ask for a copy of the comp plan and run the comp plan through the, two, the true commission comp plan comparison tool. And you'll find out whether or not the plan is really better than the plan that you're walking away from at your prior company. And talk to your peers. If you're a manager, talk to your subordinates. Run scenarios by leadership, that, that situations that you've been in in the past that were treated poorly and ask them how they would deal with this hypothetical situation. See what types of morals and values and character and ethics they have as leaders to prevent bad situations from happening. And now when it comes time to look at your offer, you want to really ask all those questions and get a copy of it and put it in writing. I've heard stories about if someone gets an offer letter, they don't get the comp plan, they don't understand the incentive variable compensation, and now they come in, they're not getting their comp plan for months and months and months later after they've already joined. The employment offer now that they're asking to sign has all these restrictive clauses that they couldn't even get another job in the same industry if they were let go for years. And now they've already resigned from their prior employer because they've already signed the employment offer letter. But that offer letter is not really a legal contract. It's really the employment contract that is. And there are scenarios where a company could actually pull the offer letter. For example, if you push back and refuse to sign an offer letter or an employment agreement, that has a, an arbitration clause in it. By law, which I think is wrong, a company has the legal right to pull an offer if you refuse to sign it because there's an, an arbitration agreement, which I don't think is right uh -huh. because the arbitration agreement, I think, is sort of is one-sided against the employee. So, mm. you know, you need to, there's a lot of different things involved here, a lot of factors to take into consideration. One thing I would tell people that review that employment contract, negotiate it, make sure that you set yourself up for success. I tell them to put a clause in there which acts as an insurance policy so that your company doesn't fire you for selling a million dollar deal and taking the commission and adding it to the bottom line to pay leadership's bonuses. And I've seen this Whoa. over and over again. I have, really? with, I have worked with more than a dozen reps in the last three months that are out six figures, up to one person, a million dollars, who were fired or had a windfall clause invoked to avoid paying out six-figure payouts. And one way that you can avoid this is when you're negotiating your contract, if they really want you and they're, and they're recruiting you in there, set yourself up for success. I tell everybody, plan your exit before you start. How will you be treated upon departure? What will the severance look like? If you're fired in less than a year, what will that look like? If you're getting equity, make sure that that gets auto-vested at least for a reasonable amount of time in advance so that they don't fire you to avoid vesting schedules. There's so many different ways. What I'm seeing now though, is that you should have a, so depending on how you're paid, if you're paid when you book the deal or whether it's invoiced or whether it's collected, if you're paid on collections, that's the worst for the rep. You need to have a clause in there that says upon departure, whether you leave on your own or you're terminated, 
that you'll be paid out in full on all closed one deals for 90 days after departure or whatever that time period is for how long it typically takes to get paid out on a deal. If you're paid out on booking, it's not really an issue. As soon as it books, you get paid. But for folks that get paid on invoicing or collections, that's a huge issue. And a majority of companies, like I would say 75%, pay out on one of those two. So you need to add, add this clause into your contract, and I can help with it. Where, and if your company pushes back on that, then that's a red flag for you right there, because they should have no reason to want to do that. People are getting fired left and right to avoid six-figure payouts. If you have this clause in there, they won't fire you because the clause will make it so that they have to pay you out either way. Mm, I mean, that piece that you mentioned about a company avoiding a seven-figure commission payout, I mean, just the level of ethics of that organization. And I, I just, it actually makes me feel a bit sick, man. Well, Robbie, I need, to, just... I need to add to that then. So I did a post about this topic about a month and a half ago. It was a $10 yeah. million dollar deal, okay? Mm. The rep was going to make a million dollars on it. He'd been there for a number of years. Just before the deal closed, it hadn't closed yet, but they, it, was, it was imminent. It was a done deal. They fired the rep out of the blue, okay? It was a million dollar commission he was going to get off of it. The company, which is a large publicly traded 800 pound behemoth gorilla in Silicon Valley, they right. heard about the change in seat of the rep and they pulled the $10 million deal. In addition, they had an existing contract with this company, okay? That the startup was foolish and gave the company an out clause. They pulled the existing contract as well. Within three weeks of that termination contract and pulling the $10 million deal, they were forced to lay off 25% of the company. And the rep, the rep who didn't get the million dollar commission was so depressed, not for himself, but the impact that it had on all of his colleagues that they were now out of a job. And the company might not make it. And all of this, because this, the arrogance and the ego of the CEO and leadership could not allow a rep who worked, this wasn't a bluebird that landed in somebody's lap. The rep worked this deal for a year and a half. And they could not allow the rep to walk away with that kind of money off the comp plan that they came up with and they published and they made the rep sign their name to that they're going to they're gonna back out of. And that's exactly, and they fired him onto the street. And he had a million dollars. I was going to cover his kids' educations. I was going to cover his trips, his, his boat, his side hustle, and his children. And all gone in a puff of the air. Oh, man. I mean, talk about toxic leadership at its finest. That is awful, man. And the fact that this individual now has not only that burden to deal with, but also his friends being let go because of the situation that he was dealing with or she was dealing with with the company. I mean... Oh, dude, that is insane. I mean, let's, you know, let's talk about sometime, well, not even sometime, let's talk about the mental health ramifications that come with situations like this. I mean, a lot, amongst all the individuals that you've trained, supported, consulted for, what are some of the emotional and mental health consequences that come as a result of this. And we touched upon it previously, right? That 13-year, I suppose, period where somebody left their previous company and it was $60,000 and it felt for them like it was yesterday. I mean, holding on to that pain mentally and emotionally, it's, it's going to take its toll. So talk to that for a sec. Yeah, I got to tell you, Ravi, the work that I'm doing right now 
it's so meaningful and so personally gratifying. I, I can't even describe it. And I, I never even realized that, that this could come about. I'm acting as a, as a therapist in many ways with folks. Their world is destroyed. Their trust is broken. They've been taken advantage of. They've been longtime loyal performing folks for their companies. They've been put up on a pedestal by their organizations and looked up to as leaders. You know, people in the company are, are, are in shock and, and, and crying about their departure. I mean, it's incredible. I have people on the phone on a regular basis crying and breaking down about the situation that they've been stolen from, that they feel taken advantage of. They're crushed emotionally. I mean, this it takes a significant toll like you couldn't imagine unless you were in that position. And I'm spending hours every day hearing their stories and pumping them up and telling them that this is not a reflection on them. That this is happening everywhere. This is bad behavior by leadership, that they're short-sighted and it's terrible. And you know, they come off the call with me and they're pumped up and they're motivated and they're ready to, to go back and fight after starting off the call in the fetal position with me. And what people don't understand is that these people are people. They're not numbers on a spreadsheet or an employee number. And you know, their interactions with you at work, you know, they take that home with them and they have children and spouses and bills and families. And it, it wears on them and it, it could bring them into a deep depression. There's many folks that I'm dealing with that have had suicidal thoughts after the situation that they've been, how they've been treated in the toxic work environment and the abuse. I've spoken to women who were, who were let go after being on mental health leave or who were horrifically sexually assaulted and had mental health issues as a result of that or being terminated by their employee, employers rather than being given the support that they need and deserve. I mean, it, it's just horrible what I'm seeing. So, I mean, don't go at it alone. Don't think of it as a reflection of yourself. You know, there's nothing that you did wrong here. It's short-sighted, selfish leadership that is only worried about themselves and look at you as a number to make for their bonus and not the impact that their actions have on you as a person or society as a whole. It's just a terrible thing. So I feel that, you know, I can help you get, you know, tens of thousands of dollars back in commissions or maybe tens of thousands of dollars extra money in, in severance payments. But I, I honestly feel the biggest impact that I'm having on people right now is, is helping them when they're most down and when they need the help and when they're hurting so much and when they feel hopeless and, and don't see a path forward and they have a difficulty getting out of bed and their motivation. And I talk to them, I bring the energy, I bring the passion, I bring, you know, I, I act as if it's happening to me. And that's how I, I address, I, I view these things. And it takes a toll on me personally, but I feel really good about what I'm doing and the impact that I'm having. And, and, and it's, 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 it's wonderful. I mean, brother, I was thinking as you were talking, imagine the impact that it has on you because you are taking on also somebody's story, their pains, their desires, their, what they're telling you about their situation, their family. There's got to be, you know, something inside of you which also feels that hurt and pain who do you go to to not offload that's the wrong word but do you have a mentor a therapist somebody that you go to to say wow you know i've had a week where i have just been you know taking on a lot of emotional stories and dare i say baggage you know probably the wrong word there but from other people like who who do you go to man to have those conversations with you know where i go i go to the linkedin community you know i post uh -huh. about this and i i live in the yeah. comments i engage with every single person who comments on every one of my posts they get a comment back the feedback that i get from them 
the appreciation to have somebody there to be in their corner. Every day it tells me that I'm doing the right thing. I'm helping a lot of people. I'm making a difference. I'm impacting lives. And this has changed my life. It's changed how the, the lens that I look through things for. That mm. I have, I've never been one to like, like you believe like the, oh, it's always so great to give than to get. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. But you know, until you actually do it and you feel it and you realize it inside of you, it's magical. It really is. There's nothing like giving. It's so much better than getting. I never could have even imagined it. The feeling that you get impacting someone's life, the appreciation that they show. And when they're in most in need of it and have nowhere to go and they're hurting, it makes me feel so good about myself and impacting others. It's like my calling right now. It's, it's changed the way I view life. It's crazy, brother. You know, it's funny, ladies and gents, the first time that I met Dan, he told me, Ravi, I've never had a coffee in my life. I'm high on life, man. I don't, I don't need caffeine. And you can probably sense from his energy and passion through the microphone that he's communicating on that is just infectious, but also it's very clear to see that you deeply care about other people. And it's funny that you say at one point in your life, you didn't really understand this whole give, give, give mentality. And now it shifted you for the better, man. Dude, you know, I love your energy. And it leaves me with a question, which is actually connected to what we just touched upon. And I want to finish up on this. But if somebody is in that state where they are emotionally, mentally, and physically at their lowest, and they are trying to negotiate severance or their contract and compensation with a new company, but they're feeling just at a rock bottom. How can they communicate with confidence and conviction without feeling like an imposter or faking it? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, one of the things I offer as part of my services, and I've had about a half a dozen you know, take me up on it, is I've actually been doing contract negotiation for folks or going back ah. with, the, with the employee and negotiating their severance. I've negotiated comp plans, employment agreements, and severance agreements for about, you know, four, five, six different folks directly with their employer, HR person, legal department, what have you. The bottom line is, is that, you know, be confident in yourself. I mean, everyone suffers through this. I mean, I suffer through this and I come off as an extremely confident person. I know some top reps that are making, you know, five, six hundred thousand dollars a year. When it comes time for them to fight for themselves, to promote themselves, to show the value that they bring. They're quiet. They're shy about it. You know, they don't have the same conviction when they're fighting for a customer or fighting to get that better price for on a deal or pushing through within your internal systems to get the whole team around it and get that deal closed. They're pit bulls. They're, they're, they're animals. Now, when it comes time to fight for their own salary or their compensation or on a, a deal that they've been screwed over, now they're more timid and they, they lack that self-confidence. It's normal human behavior. It's nothing. It's not a reflection on them. Everyone has it to a certain extent. You need to get over that. You bring extreme value. And one of the things that I bring for folks is, is that I help them boost up their confidence in a big way. I've seen all the scenarios play out. I know the game plans, that the playbooks that companies go by when they do certain things around severances or employment agreements or commissions or comp plans or what have you. And I can help them see through that and give them the, 
the strength and knowledge and, and self-assurance and confidence to stand up and, and fight for it and get what's theirs. Brother, it's interesting that point that you mentioned about often fighting for customers more than you're willing to fight for yourself. And I think that takes a lot of inner work to figure out the source of that behavior as well, right? And really take a deep look at why we often behave in that way. I mean, brother, what an energy you know, fueled and packed episode. I always like to leave the guest with the, well, we'll leave the audience with the following nugget. And it comes from asking the guest a specific question around who they look up to as an influential communicator today, because the show is called The Influential Communicator. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with LinkedIn because I'm just so into it right now. There's so many people out there yeah. like, like a Dale Dupree or like a Scott mm -hmm. Lease, folks like that who are vulnerable, who put themselves out there, who encourage mm -hmm. others to take chances to post, to fight for things, to do it the right way. I am inspired by those folks. I put posts out about folks like that too, shout outs. They move me, they make me pause and think, they make me reflect, they make me wanna be better. I mean, Dale blows me away. What, what I mean, he shares almost weekly uh, about his personal challenges, about wanting to change the game for the better, break out of that same mold. And I'm, I, I think of life the same way. I mean, we're like brothers from another mother that way. And it's, it's that type of thing that, that inspires me to, I mean, I've just started doing it myself. I mean, I am scared as hell about putting selfies out there, about, about sharing personal stories. I mean, I put out a story about how my wife came and I came to be over the weekend that if you even said as little as a month ago, if I would have done that, there wouldn't have been a chance. And it's stories from like people like Dale and Scott who, you know, put, show their vulnerability and, and show that they're human and, 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 and create scenarios where people can learn from that and inspire others to be better. I love that, brother. There you have it, ladies and gents. There you have it. Now, one thing that Dan and I just want to make very clear is, you know, nothing in this episode in terms of the advice given should replace legal or tax advice in any sense. But Dan is you know, he's worked with over 61 individuals already in the first three months of this year, which is insane. And it's very clear that he spotted certain variables, certain playbooks that he's trying to break, right? And really shift for the better for the employee of these companies. Now, Dan, for people who do want to learn more about how to drink more of whatever you're drinking, where, where can they go, man? Where can they go? Well, I got a couple of things going on. True Commission has been my passion for 30 years to provide uh, pay transparency and visibility for reps to verify pay and arm them with the information to go back to their employer and get what's theirs. I've also started this uh, employee advocacy practice that's at the, at the very infancy. It doesn't even have a website out at this point yet. I've got a lot of intellectual property around that and processes and procedures. So reach out to me on LinkedIn directly. You can look me up through True Commish. I'm sure Robbie will have that information on here as well. Uh, reach out to True Commish directly, www.truecommish.com, no E, so T-R-U-C-O-M-M. -M. Check out the app, You know, follow my content. Every day I try to put out educational information that will help others avoid pitfalls that either I or others have, have experienced and in, in, in my passion is to help you try to avoid those. So those well, are ladies and ways. gents. There you go, ladies and gents, truecommish.com. The link will be in the show notes and I'll see you next week, same time, same place for another episode. All right, peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take 
have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So hey, the more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.